Hi, I'm Ash, and I work at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California, and I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at Ash underscore Integrity Lash. Cue the music! In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the LashCast Podcast, and here's your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Paul. I'm the general manager here at Integrity Lash, and I'm accompanied by two amazing lash stylists themselves, Erica and Tusney. Hey. Hello there. <laughs> How are you two guys doing today? Good. That's good. Doing really good. We started this new little intro I just said there, City of Roses, and we want to explain what it is in case you don't know, because I just assume everyone knows what I think. And City of Roses is kind of a nickname for the city of Pasadena. And why would that be? Do you know why, Tuss? Well, every year on a specific date, January 1st, yeah? we have a massive parade and it's all done with floats. Everybody knows about that, oh, right? That's right? Yeah, the rose Everything on the With floats. roses, right? Determinant roses. Well, yeah, it's made with roses. I think it started originally with roses, but now you can put any kind of organic plant on it or seed, yeah, but anything. it has to be completely a plant. It They're can't very be, green. Yeah, it can't be made of rubber or anything like that, so it's like... You know, city of roses. Yeah, no. So that said, one of the things about the parade and all that, just some facts, just so you guys know where we're from and all that. The parade basically started in the 1800s, and it was from people who were trying to get people to move out here to the West Coast. So they thought, we'll create this parade. To show them how great the weather is. You know, it's all sunny. That you could have flowers in January, which is, you know, back East. That's not heard of. And they, of course, there was no TV at the time, but they knew that people would take pictures and they would be in the newspapers and show these beautiful floats and the pictures and the newspapers. And and that's when it started as a big publicity campaign to get people to kind of know about this area and hopefully move out here. And uh, now we have too many people and our prices are way too high. So maybe we should do the anti-rose parade and scare people from California. Make floats of trash. Yeah, floats of trash so people just want to go home and leave this area and go back to the East Coast where there's more room now. Anyhow, that said, let's. Uh, we're going to get into our talks today. We are um, going to do two questions from some of our followers, which are listeners, I should say. We love to get that, so thank you. Guys out there, if you're listening and you have questions, please DM us. We would love to kind of mix it up. In some episodes, I think we're going to do it where we're going to just take one off and just answer that question. Or at other times, we might just do a whole series. I think we did one episode where we just answered questions for the whole time. And also, we try to DM you back. In fact, I think we've not yet DM someone. We will get back to you and, and answer your questions as best as we can if we're able to. And if we don't know, we'll say we don't know. We're not experts. We don't know everything as much as I think I do. I, I really don't. In fact, I probably know the least out of everyone in this room right now. So, But we do love answering those questions, and so please do feel free to do it. So our first person today that we're going to answer. Her question is Beauty by Ash X. She has a bunch of H's in her name. Anyhow, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it like three H's in a row. Like Ash. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, she asked this question. Is it okay to use micellar water as a makeup remover and is it effective? That was a great dun, dun, question. Dun, yes. That was a good one. Yeah, your Rocky theme song. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
So is it okay to use micellar water? Basically, we know that oil and water don't mix. So if you've ever tried to wash a pan that's covered in grease and you just have water, woe unto you because all you're going to do is spread that oil all over the pan and it's not going to come off. What we need in that situation is a surfactant, like a soap, that you place into that mix. And what happens is the soap breaks up the oil into tiny little droplets and that it can wash away. So with micellar water, the micelles are tiny little, well, they're molecules, and they look kind of like a balloon. There's a balloon part and there's a string part. The balloon part is the head, and it has certain properties to it. Basically, the heads love water, so it's hydrophilic. I love water. <laughs> Do you? So you're hydrophilic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Hydro also meaning- surfactant. Are you- <laughs> You can break things up? Yeah, I do. (laughs) So the hydrophilic just means that uh, it loves water, so it's attracted to it. Um, The tail or the string of the balloon is completely different. It's opposite. It hates water and it loves oil, so it's lipophilic, right? So they arrange themselves in little clusters like a little sphere uh, where the balloon part or the head part are facing outwards and the tails are connected inside So that's how they are in the bottle. It's liquid, and it looks the same. It just looks like water. You don't see a... Oily residue or anything. Yeah, like a a lava lamp or anything like that, or some makeup removers that you see that you have to mix up Mm -hmm. or shake, and it looks all like one thing. And when you uh, pour out the micellar water onto a cotton pad, what happens is they rearrange themselves. And so the balloon part goes down into the pad, and the strings or the tails are hanging outward. And remember that tail is lipophilic, which means it just loves oil. It's just attracted to it. So when you swipe that over your client's eyelid, and it's got oil or mascara eyeliner on it, the tails are attracted to that and it just lifts those oil molecules away. Why it's so gentle is it's only one layer of tails on the pad. So in some cases, you may have to use more than one application of it in order to get it off, but it's quite gentle. Uh, Sometimes people will ask, well, do you need to rinse that? If you don't rinse it, if you looked under a microscope, the skin might have little bits of my cells on the skin, but that's not necessarily a problem. It's only a problem if I would say micellar water has a surfactant in it that can be irritating. Some people are really sensitive to sodium lauryl sulfate. That is a surfactant that is very common in soaps and shampoos. It gives that bubbly texture to it. It makes bubbles, but we all know that you don't necessarily need bubbles for it to cleanse. But some people are a little bit sensitive to sodium lauryl sulfate. So if your micellar water has that in that, you might need to, but that's just a personal. I would suggest Bioderma. I think, I may be wrong, I think they were the first ones to Mm -hmm. come out with micellar water. And it's not that much more expensive, but as opposed to some you can get at like CVS or Target or whatever, um, look at those ingredients because you definitely want to be using more sensitive formulas for your clients. Bioderma is really highly rated. I was doing some research on it last night and it's actually quite inexpensive. It comes in a larger bottle. It's about 16.9 ounces and it's about $14 and you can get it anywhere. And the cool thing about it is it's uh, fragrance-free and it's oil-free. Now, there are some micellar waters that do have oil in it. So if oil is something that you're trying to avoid, we don't have a problem with it, but I know some people do. Uh, Nivea's Sensitive 3-in-1 Cleansing Water actually has grapeseed oil in it, and that oil molecule is, is in the middle of the micelle. So it still looks all 
cohesive. It's not like you can tell in the water, but if you're really concerned about that, be sure to read the ingredients for Mm -hmm. that. So that's my cellar water. Well, that's interesting because I thought you guys were referring to water like from the cellar and, and it was really dirty. And I thought, I don't know, who would want to use that my kind of cellar su- water? Yeah, go down to the cellar and get the water out and let's wash someone's lashes. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's like a dad joke. <laughs> and that, again, dad jokes again. All right. So Thank you. I just want to uh, also be clear you don't want to rinse their eyes out with it, like, you don't want to put it inside of their eyeball. Don't you think? Absolutely. No, that would sting. That would not be good. I mean, we have lipids in the eye. They're part of what makes the tear film. I would imagine that the micelles would attract to that and kind of strip the eye a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it looks like water. Don't put it in your client's eye. Yeah. Cool. All right. So there's the answer to number one question from Beauty by Ash (laughs) X. Um, (laughs) It should be Ash. It is ash. Ash. It's basically beauty by A-S-H-H-H-X. So go follow her. Show her some love. Sorry, I wasn't trying to make fun of you. That's just me being like Everybody spells sh with more H's than S's. Yeah, I guess it looks weird to just be ash. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay. She got it right. (laughs) She got it right. I'm I'm the idiot. So, okay. Um, We have another listener. This is Haley Stout 28 so there's 20 other Haley Stouts in the world, I guess, and she's the 28th one. But oh, no, she, she could be 28. Oh, she could be 28 years old, or she was born in 1928. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense, <laughs> yes. So, Or she has anyhow, 28 personalities. We can go on with that. But that's to say, here's her question. What do you think about misting to cure lashes? Mm. So like nano-mister? Nano-mister, yeah. Right. Well... My two cents. <laughs> Go for it. I think that they are kind of irrelevant. That's my favorite word to use to describe an animister. Not to say that you can't use it or should stop using it, but I don't think that it is necessary while lashing to use mm-hmm. an animister. We don't here. Mm-hmm. I don't think you probably ever have used one. We never did because we used an ultrasonic humidifier. In the room, yeah. So that is what imparts the moisture into the air. Mm-hmm. And we also rinse the eyes out, which we'll get into in a little bit with mm-hmm. saline solution. And so it kind of mm-hmm. takes away the purpose of a nanomister. That's right. When they first came on the market, I was really excited and really encouraged because the movement was going toward people understanding that moisture is so important. It's integral to the way that the cyanoacrylate adhesive works. So just to review how our eyelash glue works, basically it needs water to cure. Sometimes when we think about glue, we have a tendency to think of it as we would like Elmer's glue, which is very common. With Elmer's glue, the solvent in Elmer's glue is water. So there's water, and then there's the adhesive base, which are polyvinyl acetate, which is little polymers that are loose in the bottle. And when you put two, like you're gluing two sticks together and you put the Elmer's glue in, the solvent in that is water. And how it cures, quote unquote, is the water is evaporated. So as the water dries off, the polyvinyl pulls the two pieces together, forms in the cracks in between the sticks and binds them together. So sometimes it's very easy to think, oh, that's 
kind of the way... Um, all glues work that yeah, way. Yeah, right? right? And so it kind of makes sense where this myth has been perpetuated. Oh, you don't want to get the lashes wet. You don't want to reactivate the glue because people in their minds think that the cyanoacrylate is like evaporation glue, but it's not. And all the glue we use growing up as kids really is Elmer's. I mean, that's really right. our best experience that or rubber or glue. glue sticks. Or yeah, glue or sticks. cement. Glue sticks, yeah. rubber cement. I always so, called it liquid boogers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's kind of fun to play with. But yeah, so that that's our childhood. That's our upbringing. So we approach all glue the same way because of that. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to the cyanoacrylate, it's similar to the Elmer's glue in that there's the solvent. The solvent is the liquid that holds the adhesive base. The adhesive base in cyanoacrylates is an acrylic monomer. So a monomer is just like a small building block. So if you think about it, it's almost like if you've got like a jar and you've got a bunch of paper clips in the jar, that's what it's like in the bottle. The paper clips are the monomers. And what we want, we don't want them separated in the bottle. We want them to be linked up and hard. And so what links them up so they form a tight chain is water. Water is the catalyst that binds those monomers together so that it becomes a hard, inflexible, waterproof compound. You like to show when you teach classes and when you've taught at, at like the trade shows, you've taken the paper clips and you show there's a whole bunch of them in your hand, mm-hmm. just like a big pile. And you say, but when you add the water, mm-hmm. what you do is you pull it out and all of a sudden they're all connected in a straight line. And mm-hmm. each one is interlinked with each and that creates one long chain. That's kind mm-hmm. of the image that, that we were trying exactly to show. That's exactly it. We mentioned it before, like when you're a kid and you're making slime, you take the Elmer's glue and then you add a solution of boron or borax to it. That's the catalyst that links up those polymers together and forms up these long chains. And we can see it in the slime. It's all connected, right? So that's what's going on. So, another, the, wait, One thing I was going to jump in, this is another comparison mm-hmm. case. People use epoxy. Epoxies are the same way. They have two different compounds that are fine by themselves, but as soon as they connect, mm-hmm. it becomes a glue and it becomes very you know, strong. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the best glues out there. Now, that's what we're talking here in a sense, right? You have this glue that's in the bottle and when it comes out and you add the moisture from the air, mm-hmm. That's the catalyst mm-hmm. that causes it to activate. That's right. So, you know, there is a layer of water, microscopic water molecules on the surface of everything. And when the adhesive comes into contact with it, their hydroxide ions or hydrolyzed ions, when they come in contact, that's what causes that uh, chemical reaction to happen and it forms up and it hardens. So even if you get that wet, it will not dissolve that bond. Cyanoacrylates are dissolved with like an acetone. It's solvent. It needs to be a chemical solvent. Water can't do that. When you think about it, when we want to remove the lashes, somebody comes in for removal, we don't use water. Now, I have read some places that, you know, some emergency rooms or, you know, when people are having contact dermatitis from cyanoacrylate adhesives inside the body and there's a reaction, they need to remove it. They will use water on a gauze pad or they'll use petroleum This is Dermabond, by the way. That's yeah, what they use for suturing. But that's suturing. different. It's because they're not trying to actually break down the cyanoacrylate. They are trying to remove the hardened product from the skin. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people will use water in, in doing that. But if you're actually trying to break down that compound, you don't use water. Well, it's like if you get the lash glue on your fingers and you glue your fingers together, it's they're not going to break apart if you go run your fingers underwater. Like it's not going to do right. anything. Yeah. That's right. Right. Just got to rip your skin off. Yeah, you got to rip yeah. it apart. Or <laughs> if you don't want to rip your skin off, use the solvent to. Remove I, I, it. I chew through my finger. That's why mm-hmm. I do. That's gross. Well, <laughs> if you went to the emergency room and you had it on like a larger area of your body, you know, maybe one of the ways that they would try to do it is you know putting some water or even 
product on it, even oil, to, uh, because it's gentler on the skin, and, and physically buff it off. But they're not trying to actually break down the adhesive. They're just trying to remove it from the patient mm-hmm. who's in an emergent situation. So we're going to get back to the question a little bit. We're really getting a little bit further into Sorry. our... No, that's okay. Tessie loves this stuff. And <laughs> one of the things we want to just kind of summarize then, because she was just asking about nanomisting okay. and all that. And so... Erica was like, nah, not really important. You're saying the same thing, that there's always moisture in the air. Like, for instance, when we use humidifiers, yes. that gives you the moisture you need yes. no air for the cure yes. and all that. I was going to add another thing here. Doug Shun, if that's someone you're not following, you should. Doug Shun basically came from the nail industry, but in the last few years has been helping out our industry in the last world to understand sanoracolites. And he's spoken at some conferences, and I know he's posted opinions on stuff. And so he says nanomisting he does not think is a smart thing. And because he says it can cause micro fractures in the glue itself. Now, he doesn't explain how that happens. I wish he did. Maybe he has elsewhere, or maybe you have to go listen to a talk from him. But I'm. Oh, he has. He has. He has you saw a talk? Well, no, basically, the micro fracturing happens when it polymerizes too fast. Mm-hmm. Basically, it links up too fast. And so sometimes you'll see in some lash forms and things caution against flash polymerization. And people are concerned that if you introduce too much water to it, the adhesive, it causes the cyanoacrylate to harden in in an improper way. So basically like one portion of the area that's glued, if it gets in contact with water, it cures faster. faster. But and he, then he the, shared that? You saw a post about that? That's oh, why. I, I, I'm assuming. I, I'm, I just, I, okay, I so you're just jumping on the game. Okay, yeah. that's fine. That, that's what I was going to say is, yeah, is that you wet one part of the lash, but not the other. One side's going to cure faster. Yeah, well, let's just finish up yeah. with that uh, illustration. So if one side is cured faster, and it, so it's hardened, mm-hmm. and the other part of that adhesive mass is softer, there is a difference, there's like almost a seam or a, a weakness at that place where there's two... Dry rates or... A dry, yeah, are connected. So mm-hmm. one side's wet, one side's hard, and that creates like a stress fracture. So we all know that the adhesive becomes more brittle. That's one of the properties of a cyanoarch adhesive. So if there's a tiny little irregularity with the way that the um, molecules arrange themselves, that can crack under pressure. So he's saying because you're nano-misting and you're kind of just doing a broad stroke over kind of far away from their face, Mm -hmm. it doesn't saturate. Yeah, it doesn't saturate evenly. And so he's saying that it can possibly create those micro-fractures that possibly could impact the client's wear. And that's we're assuming that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're taking from what that. he wrote. And Doug, if you ever listen to this, let us know. Maybe you go out and further explain how you think that exactly happens. But yeah, he says you shouldn't, but he's okay with where we're about to move into our next topic, which is wetting lashes or rinsing lashes or washing lashes right after the appointment. Well, before we get into that, can we just go back? I just wanted to finish off. So one of the reasons why we don't use the nanomister is not because getting water into the air is bad, because that's a good thing. That's why we use the humidifier. But the reason why we don't use the nanomister is because it involves putting your tweezers down and holding that mister and spraying the air. And if you're doing it several times, that's really going to impact your efficiency. So sometimes one of the questions we get is like, how can I get faster? How can I you know, increase my speed during the service? And the answer to that is you have to make it the most efficient. All your movements have to be efficient. 
So if you're having to put down those tweezers several times during the appointment to pick up another thing, and that hinders that. So that's why mm. we don't use it. It's not because you know we don't want the water in the air. We do, but you can have a hands-free option by just getting a humidifier. Right, and I feel like some people use a nanomister during the service to cure the lashes faster. Mm. But in that case, my answer is just use a faster drying glue because if you are noticing mm-hmm. that your lashes need to be drying faster as you're lashing, that means you're getting faster, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. if you've been doing lashes for a while and you're feeling like, oh, I just need to speed it up, it's a good suggestion that Erica made. Get a faster drying or curing adhesive. There's glues out there that will cure in like one to two seconds. Like mm-hmm. literally, as soon as you touch them, you don't have a lot of time to finish mm-hmm. your putting the lash down. There's others, I think, like three, four, five seconds. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's that's good tip for those of you who are looking to uh, move up to that next level. And I guess now we've already kind of begun talking about it, but we'll dig in a little deeper because this is a topic that um, is not a question. This is not someone that came to us, but it's been a hot topic on Instagram if you've been following. And I think the people kind of heading up this whole talk have been Hillary Brand at Brand Lashes or My, my Brand, my my brand, brand Lashes. And then Lash for One has also been talking about it and Sandra. And so those two have been really, in fact, they had a big live talk and a lot of people were going on. And then since then, we've seen a lot of posts where people were showing their, their minds are blown and they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I've never heard this before. And if people were to go back and look at history a little bit in the Lash world, which I know it's a short history, but it would be interesting that you'd see actually, I think it was Extreme Lash. It was about three, maybe four years years ago, came out, and they just said, we've created a new glue that is okay to get wet. And they made it sound like new improved glue that you can get wet. The truth is this, not that Extreme, I think, was trying to be deceptive. I think they probably didn't know beforehand that you could get the glue wet. And they openly just said, it's okay. Or it could just be marketing. It could be marketing. People have the sense that, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Well, here's something new. Oh, it solves the problem. You know, it's a a marketing issue, right? And yeah, so they're just trying to, you know, get people excited about their glue. And this is about three or four years ago they came out. Now, that did not widespread, you know, go throughout the whole industry. I think some people have been popping up once here and there going, wait a minute, maybe we can, or they've been trying to get the lashes wet or, or rinsing at the end. And now it seems like everyone's now talking about it, and, the, and there's a split party. There's some people that are totally like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's rinse. Let's do everything you can. And then there's other people out there going, I, I still don't feel comfortable doing that. I mean, Lily, for ever since I've read, it's been told to me that I should not. And there's still manufacturers and distributors saying you should not. So where do we fall down on this? Uh, which side of the line do we come down on this one? We have always rinsed the eye. I have always rinsed the eye ever since I started in 2005. That's when I took my first class. So I guess I was on my own, so 2006. Now, did the class tell you to rinse, or did you do that on your own? Well, the class in the kit put a small bottle, um, maybe it was an ounce and a half, of like saline solution, but it was an ophthalmic product. And they said, use this after you use the solvent to, you know, the sealant. No, no, the solvent. Oh, okay. if, if we're removing uh, oh, lashes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is a removal part that yeah. you saw. So okay. this was in the olden days where we didn't have a cream or a gel. It was a liquid. And it was so hard to work with because it would just run right straight into the client's eyes and it burned like fire. I'm like <laughs> gasoline fire. 
So they put this little bottle in. It was tiny. And they said, you know, you want to rinse the eye afterwards. And I began to think about that. So one of the things that I always want to prevent is anything that's going to send our clients to the doctor. So I knew that that solvent is very, very irritant. It's irritating. And you want to remove all traces of it. So if that was true, then I also thought when we're removing old lashes removing old makeup, there's tiny bits that can break off and there's a danger of those little bits and crusty things of getting back into the eye. They can get into the eye and they can irritate it. And I want to make sure that the eye is clean. I don't want them walking away feeling like there's something poking in that. The other thing that was concerning to me is that during the service, the eye can dry out a little bit. You put the tapes on. Back then, I put so much tape on and just flattened it out. Now, we put the pad on a little bit more uh, vertically instead of horizontally. But back then, we just really flattened out the margin of the eye. That's where the little meibomium glands are. And if you notice, that part of the eye is wet all the time. It's a mucous membrane. It wants to be wet. It's like if your tongue ever gets dried, you go to the dentist and they're like, you're having a procedure done and they dry your tongue out. You know, it's just, it's like you feel like cotton and you can't, that, those tissues want to be wet. So after the service, they're dry, they're irritated. and Or during the service. Yeah. They feel, will feel Stingy, dry. Yeah, Bernie. So I just wanted to always wash the eye. And then I began to understand how the adhesive worked and I realized there's no danger of it breaking down with water. I think most people thought of it, like we said earlier, as like an Elmer's glue, that it's preventing it from curing, but no, it's not. And so by rinsing the eye, by rinsing the lashes, what we're doing is we're ensuring that their eyes are clean and free from any possible foreign body or debris that could cause irritation and possibly send them to the doctor outside. So that's why I've always done that. So the main reasons why, now are we curing the lashes? Because I think in the past we've said that we're actually curing, but you're saying that it happens earlier with the, because we use humidifiers in our room to make sure that we stay between 40 and 50% is kind of like the sweet spot we fill for our glue. And there's other glues. In fact, it's actually one of the things that's interesting about our industry. really become, most, I think, uh, manufacturers or, and distributors are aware now of the different types of humidities and some parts of the country are harder because they're so humid. So people now are trying to come with wider, more you know, friendly glues that will glue in any type of humidity, um, whether it's like Utah, where it's very dry, versus probably you go up to New York, where yeah. it's very, you know. So they were, they're trying to create different types of glues and all that. Um, and I totally... No, let me just jump in. Yeah. So you said, should we rinse them to cure them? In yeah. the very beginning... That wasn't your point. That wasn't my point. Yeah. In fact, I was very careful not to get them on the lashes because you were told. I was told, yeah. don't do this. But I was so concerned about the health of their eyes, I pulled their lids back and I got the saline solution right in there mm. and made sure I didn't get on the lashes. But as I began to study it more, and anecdotally, because you can't be perfect every time, I'd get some on there, on their lashes, and then I'd be concerned, oh no, they're going to fall out. And I'd follow them, and I'd follow up with them and track them. And I found that it made no impact. Mm -hmm. No impact. Mm. So then I began to practice on purpose. I'm going to submerge the eye in the saline solution. Dunk their head in the the sink. (laughs) That's right. This is part of your lash service. You also get a shampoo. Yeah. Um, Really, really testing that theory out and realizing it made no difference. Not only that, but the clients loved it. 
that since a now don't get me wrong, there are some people like a little kid who doesn't want to get an eye drop or an ear drop or something like that. They'll fight, they'll squint, they'll you know be uncomfortable. For those people, I get through it as fast as I can. But it's my peace of mind that I know that I've done it, so that I can make sure that I'm sending that client out my door making sure that their eyes are clear, that they've given me no complaint that there's something in their eye. Mm-hmm. I always wonder, what do people do when during the service or after the service, we've all had it where somebody says, you know what, Erica, I feel like there's a little something in the eye. And if you don't have anything to rinse with, what on earth are you going to do? Just live with it? They're leaving your establishment after being subjected to your service and they're leaving different than when, when they, they came, came in. in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's potentially your fault, potentially your responsibility. So just as a measure of just good practice, best practices, that's why I did it. So now, I mean, added benefit, you can say that, yeah, if the uh, saline solution gets on the lashes, then it's curing it as well. It's that's just a little bonus part, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we see these examples. One of the like hot topic videos that came out was the example of the three different beads of glue. Yes. Ooh, it's a good one. So one was a 24-hour fully dried little drop of glue, mm-hmm. and then I think it was two hours, two hours, and yeah. then four hours. Oh no, one was fresh. I thought it was like fresh. Oh, fresh, yeah. yeah so one was 24 fresh. hours, two hours, old and then, glue, and then fresh. Like yeah. just put it on the little tape. So it just let go back. So this was a video that this you was saw a video on post? Instagram okay. yeah. that kind of within this. You know, right now it's we're in October, beginning of October, but it, it was in mid mid, mid the, September, yeah, something yeah. like that. And it kind of like was wildfire on Instagram and everybody yeah. was reposting and talking about it and it kind of caused like an uproar and I love controversial topics because mm-hmm. I think they're so fun to like fun to dig in yeah flesh apart and mm-hmm. you learn um, you do learn you learn when you're picking them apart so mm-hmm. what happened on the video maybe so, just so yeah so what happened that. was I'll just start with the 24 hour when you put a drop of water on a 24 hour old glue dot nothing happens which, this is a glob of glue, just so everyone knows, right? Yeah, it's, it's not like, just a, a little bit of glue. It was like, yeah, it's like when you're actually lashing yeah. and you put your glue on your tape or whatever you're using, and that's what you're working with. So it's a glob of glue, and the 24-hour one had dried, and of course it was dry, nothing happened to it. Mm-hmm. And then the two-hour glue kind of bubbled a little bit, reacted to the water. I think they were just using distilled water, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering yeah. correctly. And yeah, you see like that reaction of the water affecting it and causing like white. it to get white a little and bubble a little. And then the fresh glue was... Um, it, it, tacky. It, it, it was no. still tacky. Yeah, like two, it was like... Uh, a, 24 hours later? Well, no, they, I don't no. think they waited 24 hours. I, I, it was a period of time went by, but it turned totally white and right. was still watery in the mess and it was all Gooey. yucky. Yeah, and so the point of it was to prove like this is why you can't get lashes wet Yeah, because this is what happens to the glue and That's the flash polymerization or polymerization, right? Polymerization. Polymerization. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to look at the amount of adhesive that's used. Okay. Right. So if you're doing it like a test like that, those are the results you're going to get. But how is it different if we're actually doing it on lashes? Well, it isn't. I mean, it, on one hand, I like that video because it proves, hey, guess what? When it comes into contact with water, this curing mm-hmm. does take place immediately. It mm-hmm. proves that point mm-hmm. that it does cure with water. But it is misleading because we don't use that much glue when we're lashing. And, and we don't use that much water like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I started working here, because when I was trained, yeah, I was told 24 to 48 hours, tell them not to get their lashes wet, um, basically don't live their life. 
and yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, we're goggles. We're goggles. I, did, I said that yeah. too. You know? But when you know, I started working with you, and you told us to rinse the eyes and all the reasons to remove foreign bodies, make it comfortable. I didn't make that correlation of like you know, we're not the point of this isn't to get the lashes wet. So from day one, I would start with their eyes closed. I would remove the gel pad, grab my bottle of saline immediately go over their lash line and then pop their eye open to rinse it out and make sure there was nothing inside of it, like Mm -hmm. a hair or whatever. And so in my mind, it had nothing to do with their lashes at all. It was just like, I'm rinsing everything. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is I didn't even know what flash polymerization was until this last year. Like that was not a concept in my mind because I never saw it happen even 20 seconds after Mm -hmm. I took the gel pad off and grabbed the bottle of saline. So, well, maybe Paul, you can talk about how people responded to that glue dot example Mm -hmm. and then what they said to do instead. Yeah. So now the new standard idea from, and this is not where we have a different view and that's not that we're going to sit here and make fun of any other views. Uh, We just think that right now everyone's erring on the side of caution. And so everyone says now the agreed upon time, instead of waiting 24 hours, it's just five minutes. We should just wait five minutes, let the glue cure, continue to dry, and then you rinse it. And their idea behind it, from what I remember, is not curing the lashes so much as they're removing any of the fumes or any of the irritants around the eye, the or solvent. Va- they'll call it vapors. The vapors and yeah. all that, which is what it is. It's, there's mm-hmm. vapors around there. You want to get rid of that because that's what, when someone opens their eyes, right? If you don't do it, it's like, ah, oh, my eyes feel like they're burning. Especially more so if the eye is dry. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. because that tear film that protects the eye from those kinds of irritations. So if it's dried out completely, you're going to feel it more. Mm-hmm. Think about our skin. When your skin is dried out and the it's barrier cracked. is broken, mm-hmm. you're more susceptible to things like wind and sun. It's more stingy, right? Exactly. Even water can be stingy if you, you have no barrier on your skin. Yeah, so their whole idea is to give it five minutes, then rinse it. So their idea is like, hey, what happens? You finish an appointment, then go ahead and start cleaning up your station. Just tell them, please lay there and just give me a second while I clean up. And I, I'm not sure how it can take them five minutes, but I guess... It, Some people will like fan the Oh, that's right. They may heard. fan them and that helps or whatever. And then they finally rinse them and then that's the end of the, of the service. And they say you could rinse or wash, and washing means like you can actually get in there with a brush and maybe clean them up or you know help removing the solvent mm-hmm. now from the lashes. So people are beginning to get it, but really that's not what we do. What do we do, Tuss? How long do we wait? We don't wait. Yeah, we well, do. Yeah, like I said. Like, yeah, Erica even said. Yeah. Yeah, we don't wait. You just place that lash lash. You fluff them. You take the pads off and you rinse them. Sometimes so maybe it's thirty seconds, a minute, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. 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 Now, it, this is anecdotal, so it's, it hasn't been scientifically tested, but we've done about, what is it? We figured out I think 70, it's like 70,000 plus appointments, appointments over the last not 12 the plus person, years. Not the but, you know, with Repeat all the staff. Yes, yes, you over know, We do not see this impacting lash retention. In fact, because of the way we do lashes, right? Mm-hmm. Our clients average are four weeks. That's kind of the sweet spot. Some go three, some go five. But on the average, if we took all our clients together, it'd be a four-week wear is what we're getting. And that's wedding lashes on everyone since 2006. It's actually one of the slogans I thought that no one would care about. But, you know, Integrity Lash, we've been wedding lashes since 2006. (laughs) Uh, And everyone would just scratch their head and go, who cares? Only (laughs) only lash stylists would be like, what? What is that? That's weird and all that. Clients don't care. Mm -hmm. But so, anyhow, that's something that we've shown for many, many years now. And I think if we were doing it for this amount of time, while well, this has been anecdotal and it's not been scientific because we have not 
set up a lab and, and made all things equal. A controlled environment. Yeah, and cold, yeah. controlled environment and all but that. But it is part of our best practices. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see that it impacts it. And it's our peace of mind that we're sending our clients out with eyes that don't have any kind of foreign body or irritation in them, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, there, you know, if you're looking at things scientifically and you're going to like do a, a study on it, there could be, it, we do have some differences between the way that we do lashes and what the industry suggests or says is a best practice. We do use more adhesive and we do bond more of the lash to the extension. And the reason why we do that, I mean, this may be a topic for another time, but there's more surface area where the lash and the extension are bonded, which does create more longevity. The adhesive over time becomes more brittle and it's more susceptible to shear forces, meaning that any kind of movement or... Um, harsh brushing, maybe. Yeah, harsh brushing, washing, sleeping, sleeping. rubbing, <laughs> anything like that can make that lash pop off faster. So that's possibly one difference. And this actually kind of goes into why I think it was a myth for so long where people said don't get them wet, don't touch them, don't do anything for 48 hours is because it was so new we didn't know how to get good retention. Mm -hmm. And any kind of parameter that we could put on them was a measure to say, you know, this is going to preserve the lashes longer. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think we're always looking for reasons why the lashes aren't lasting the way mm-hmm. we wish. Mm-hmm. And so water was just one more thing. Well, if we eliminate that, then at or least... Or touching it, or anything Yeah, like or don't brush your lashes. Mm-hmm. Probably in the beginning, people are like, don't touch your lashes. Don't, yeah, don't do it. And that's why sometimes people don't even, when they're washing their lashes or washing their eyes, they don't use the pads of their fingers. And so this is actually one thing that we specifically talk about during the consult. We show them how to wash their lashes. You point to the pads of your fingers and you say, I want you to use the pads of your fingers to squeegee the eye. Make sure that you are squeegeeing the eye. Don't do this model thing where you're just splashing the water in your face and feeling you know, very effervescent. You really want to make sure that you've got contact. And the reason why is because you get more of the salts and the oils rinsed off when you do that. Now, I have seen people equate flash polymerization with more of a stinging sensation. Mm-hmm. And, and they warn that if you do flash polymerization, if you get those lashes too wet, what's going to happen is the uncured glue on the inside of that bond will leak out and the fumes will cause their eyes to water. I don't think that's what's happening. When our clients complain about a stinging eye, this used to happen. They would call back and a week later say, Tess, the glue is stinging my eye. I had to pull over. I was rubbing my eye when I was driving. I literally had to pull over because I couldn't see. Or when I first got in the shower, my eyes were so stingy. It's I a just, shower. I heard that a yeah, lot. Yeah. A lot of people will assume it's re-wetting or reactivating the glue. But we know already that that's not what's happening. Because the of, property is waterproof. You just look up cyanoacrylate right. and it says it is waterproof as one of its when it's finally cured. Right. One of its properties, so it can't be reactivated. That's right. But what's happening is because, in some ways, they may have been told, you know, don't touch them, don't wash them, and because they want to preserve their investment, they're really not getting a lot of the salts that build up. We're constantly sweating, and the oils that we make, it can make a stinging compound. So when you're rubbing your eye, you're getting some of that in that. So we're old makeup, old makeup, dead yeah. skin cells, mm-hmm. but yeah, the salt from our sweat. Mm-hmm. So what we say is. If you get that stinging sensation, it's not the glue because that cures by the time you walk out of the door. What that is, it's an indication that you're not cleaning your lashes 
well enough. So that's one of the things that you can tell your clients during the consult is that when you wash your lashes, make sure you use the pads of your fingers and you're not just rinsing, you're actually getting in there. And it's because of the salsa oils. It's an indication you need to clean them a little bit better. So it's not a result of that flash polymerization and the fumes coming out. Yeah. Now, some people are going to say, what do you mean, saline? You can't be putting saline in people's eyes. I mean, there are people out there that have said that mm-hmm. if you put saline in the eyes, you're going to get bad retention because you're going to leave salt mm-hmm. residue mm-hmm. on their eyes because there's salt and saline. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that objection? I think the question is, well, how much salt? I mean, if salt is to be avoided at all costs, then we're going to need to instruct our clients that they cannot ever cry, they cannot ever tear, because... Salt is a compound of our tears. And the reason why we use saline is because it is the most comfortable. It's an ophthalmic preparation made for the eyes. If you put water or uh, distilled water into the eye, it does not feel as comfortable as the saline does because there's no salt in it. Yeah, saline mimics our tears. So it's what our eyes are most comfortable and used to. And you know, last I heard, tears don't cause the lashes to fall out, you know? Some people might argue about that again because they think it'll re-wet or reactivate, but that's just not happening. What I would say in those cases is you might want to look maybe about the surface area and the amount of adhesive that you're using. If anything can cause it to, that bond to loosen, you have to look at the properties of that bond. So, you know, when people are crying, it's not just tears that are coming out of the eye, they're also rubbing. So you have to factor that into it. Is it the rubbing that's doing it? Is it mm-hmm. the Kleenex they're patting their eye with? What kind of friction is happening? Yeah, so that could possibly be the culprit, not the saline solution. If you look, I mean, the reason why we don't use distilled water or tap water is a couple things. First of all, you have to put that into a container you know, it can be a clean container, but if I'm putting something into the eye and the human body, I want to make sure that it's going to be preserved. I, I'd have to make a system about the water and how we put the water mm-hmm. into the bottle, yeah. making sure that the bottle has been prepared properly, that it's stored properly. Any kind of contamination of that is going to cause a growth of bacteria, right? Now, saline solution comes sterile. In a sterile bottle, yeah. And it does have preservatives in it, but I know that it's going to prevent the growth of bacteria. I don't have to worry about those aspects to it, right? The other thing is, is that it's got the same salinity in it as our tears do, and it's very, very comfortable. Do this experiment on yourself. Take a bottle of water, put it in your eye, and then use saline. See which one you like better, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The eye is already dried out, and it's probably going to be a little bit more irritated from the fumes that we're doing. I want to minimize any kind of unpleasant reaction because I don't want them associating that with our service, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a comfort. It's a comfort issue. It's also convenient. So just as a matter, even if you you disagree with what we're saying on this, as a best practice to all lash artists, I absolutely recommend that you get a bottle of saline solution and a towel and you have that at your station at all times. You need that for an emergency situation. The risk of what we do is that we can get something into their eye. It's a foreign body. That's something that could send them to the doctor. You need to have a means to be able to treat that or solve that problem immediately. I mean, every first aid kit is going to tell you you should have a an eye wash or something like that. Every situation OSHA recommends for workplace safety that you have an eye wash station. 
we work on eyes. That's what we do. Mm. If you want to be responsible, you're going to have a way to handle a problem if something gets in there. Heaven forbid, what do you do if uh, something gets in there and it's, it's irritating? So anyway, that's just my two cents. You want to have a bottle of saline solution on your station at all times just to handle any foreign bodies or anything that gets in there. Yeah. I want to go back and make a distinction because a lot of people will say that with the saline affecting retention, they're talking about using it beforehand to mm. clean the lashes. Yeah. Mm. And those salt deposits on the lashes are what can affect that retention. Yes. And so we have thoughts about that. I feel mm. like when we've talked about it, it's such a minuscule amount that is probably comparable to what's already on the lashes that we don't see it affecting that at all. But when we clean the lashes, we use our OcuSoft that we've talked about before Mm -hmm. that is made specifically for the eyes. It's a foam wash. We use that to wash the lashes and get off makeup. And as we just talked about in this episode, Mm -hmm. micellar water. But if we decided to, you know, rinse off the OcuSoft with the saline, we've done that before and we don't feel like it affects anything. But we're talking about mm-hmm. using it at the end yeah, after the, the end. or yeah. during if they get something yes, in their eye. Yes. But I wanted to kind of make that distinction. But I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm just going to dovetail on that. I don't think that there's any reason why you shouldn't use a saline mm-hmm. solution. If you want to rinse off the eye, I'm, I'm going to use saline solution beforehand because, again, it's more comfortable if it gets into the eye. And salt isn't going to affect the bond, not the amount that's in a saline solution. Yeah, know? we don't. It's not like you have these giant crystals all over your eyes at the end of the saline wash. Saline is not even as salty as salt water. Salt water is like a three point five percent. Saline solution is like point nine. It's very mild. Very mild. Very minimal. Yeah. So you're not going to see a big buildup. In fact, I've always we thought about doing this where we just take saline and put a little drop or let it dry out on the table and see if you see a white residue all over it. It'd be interesting to see um, what kind of results and if it does. But in our case, we've been doing this now forever and it's anecdotal no. still, so it's not scientific, but we have never seen any issues with this where clients are complaining saying, oh my gosh, my lashes all fell out and then we stopped. Because when something like that has happened in the past, we, we move mountains. We, like, we will do all sorts of mm-hmm. things to evaluate, ask questions, inquire, um, see what they did, what did we do differently, and then we adjust accordingly. And that's really how over 12 years we've gotten to where we are, because we've really taken a lot of time to, to, to think this through, the, the whys on why you know, lashes don't last. Yeah. I'm not saying that you know if somebody used saline solution and they think, oh, that all their lashes fell off. I'm not saying that the lashes didn't fall off, but I don't think that it's... Uh, connected to the saline solution. So Yeah, it's another reason. It's something else to look at. Don't be blaming the saline. Because we've never seen that connection and we would have stopped doing saline and washing and, and rinsing years ago if we saw that there's a huge difference. And we've tested that out and not seen any results. Now, one other thing that... Um, we thought we'd encourage, because Doug Schoon first came out with this, and I think Hillary has too, and some other people are saying, you know, don't just take our word for it. Why don't you just test it out? I mean, go out and create your own little experiment. Uh, Doug, I think, was the first one I said, you know, one side, wet their lashes or rinse their lashes at the end of the appointment, and the other side, don't. And then when they come back, see if there's any difference in retention. And he believes and he said that you would not see any difference. And I believe Hillary has claimed the same thing. But they're all saying, now, Doug, I don't think he's ever said you have to wait five minutes. I don't think he's ever made any comment about the time or length. Or maybe he has, and I've just not seen it. But I know other people are saying, you know, wait five minutes. 
try both. Try the five minutes and then try another client wetting it like we do within probably within a minute of taking the tape off. We're, we're going to have rinsing the lashes. Try different things. And again, don't just try one person. Do one, it for like a month. Yeah. yeah. And you know, take notes, write yeah. down which you waited five minutes, which I you did. Be scientific about it. If yeah. you really want to know, like mm-hmm. just do the experiment yourself. And then, tr- right. and then the big thing is try to make sure you're consistent. So if you have a client, let's say, who's late and you're rushed in that appointment, probably don't count that one because if you're rushing, there's you're, you're other factors. Yeah. There's other factors that can affect the outcome of the study. So that's why you don't want to do it just on one person because maybe one person only sleeps with a concrete pillow on one side. <laughs> of the I'm just saying, you know, yeah. maybe do it like on all of your new sets because you know you're starting fresh. Mm-hmm. I think that if I was to do it, I would do it that way. Yeah. That way you just get a level playing field and you just follow it for a month. And then, you know, it would be really cool as for everyone to start sharing their stories online and sharing their feedback and seeing how this works. And try both. Try five minutes and try our our way and we'll all meet up and have a big party in January. How about it? I wanted to talk really quickly about what kind of saline to get. We just get the generic Target brand. You can get any other brand. What you don't want to get, and I want to caution you not to get, and it's easy to do. We've mistakenly bought the wrong product. You don't want to get a renew disinfecting solution or a storage solution or an all-purpose solution. Those have other ingredients that higher allergies. Some contact lens wearers cannot use those products, like the renew products, because they can be quite irritating. They will tell you on the bottle, especially the Renew brand multi-purpose solution, that you can use it as saline. And so uh, you might be tempted to if you accidentally buy it, but I suggest that you don't because more people have an allergy to that. Some of those have ascorbic acid or timorosal, which is a common irritant for some people. Um, there's also, uh, Bausch & Lomb makes a sensitive formula, and that's a good product to get to. You don't have to get a sensitive formula. The difference between a sensitive formula saline and just a regular saline, the sensitive formula is pH balanced, and it also has another mineral in it, which is potassium, which is also a compound that's found in our tears. So it's a little bit more gentle. Great. But regular saline works too. (laughs) So anything else that we need to cover on that subject? I, I had a thought only because... This question came into my mind as we were talking, so I can imagine some people will be listening. We have talked about it before, so of course we're not going to like go super in-depth, but I think people would maybe be wondering what are like three steps for better retention because people are concerned with washing the eyes, affecting their retention. So in my mind, I thought of getting every lash, putting mm-hmm. an extension on every lash, mm-hmm. um, starting with spick and span clean lashes. Yep. Spick and span. Spick and span. So you use spick and span to clean the lashes? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Just checking. Uh, what else real quick? <laughs> I think those are always my like um, main two. Yeah. When you say get every lash, uh, a little caveat with that is we get the insurance lashes. The baby uh, lashes. The baby lashes. Yes. That's, a, that's our nickname for baby lashes. We call them insurance lashes. And the reason why is because they're the only insurance that you have that she's going to come back in with those because those babies- Will grow out. 
and be they'll grow they out. Fall yeah, out right they're, away. they're not going to fall out because then they're then the antigen phase. So you're going to see them again when she comes back in. Now, when you do a baby lash, the only caveat with that one is you want to make sure that it's a baby lash. You don't ever want to put it, a big lash on that because it's going to grow out and can be a little big. unsightly. Mm-hmm. It creates yeah. that tower so like yeah. this flings way out there and yeah. Not so we're out. using like a six millimeter, a, six, a tiny, a tiny on one. a baby yeah. lash. Sixes are my unsung heroes. I use them all the time. I use them more than anything else is a six. Yeah, and it's because we are doing, when we say every lash, it means what you just said, the baby lashes. Yeah. We'll and do so, 150 on average per eye, right? It's, we're not talking, we're doing classic, like I think everyone knows if they listen to our podcast, this is not volume. But we also use medical loops to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say, I can see all the lashes. No, but you can't. I you promise. Can't promise. <laughs> not yeah. with your naked eye. No. Not even with 20-20 vision. Yeah. No. You asked three things. Okay, so another thing that helps with retention is two things. It's really about the application. Not only getting every lash, but more adhesive and more surface area. If you bond the entire lash, I know that that's controversial. I know that we do things differently. But the reason why we do the entire lash is because we want better longevity. We are going for the perfect mechanical fit. The perfect mechanical fit is going to just latch on to the client's own growth trajectory. We know that when she walks out of our door, her lashes are going to continue to grow. We want to piggyback onto that growth and make it look as seamless as possible. And the only way that you can do that is by getting the best mechanical fit. So we get more surface area so that she can live her life. She can wash her lashes. She can rub them. She can... Sleep on them. Yeah, all that stuff without any worry that, you know, as the adhesive becomes more brittle, that it's just going to pop off. And that's what happens when you have a smaller surface area that you're doing. Now, we mostly do classics. So I know some of you who are doing volume are like, I can't do that. That's, that's okay. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying that's a distinctive difference. And the reason why we do it is for longevity. And you have an example that you use to illustrate what that would look like in classes. Oh, yeah. Again, the okay. popsicle sticks. So popsicle sticks. Take two popsicle sticks. Take one bit of Elmer's glue, a tiny little dot, and put it on the one end of the popsicle stick and put the other one on top of it and smash it down. So you can all imagine that. Then the other one, you're going to take a thin layer of that Elmer's glue and you're going to spread it all the way across that popsicle stick and sandwich it like an ice cream sandwich. So the glue is the ice cream, right? Once, by the end of the class, then I have, I pass those sticks out and I ask people to pull them apart. Which one do you think is going to pull apart most easiest? It's the one with the small area of glue. I'm going to cough here. (laughs) Yeah, just a small area of glue at the very bottom Mm -hmm. of the... um, Popsicle stick. Yeah. yeah. It just breaks apart immediately. Okay, so imagine that. You've got this one small dot of glue, like the tiniest dot of glue that a lot of people advocate using when you're gluing lashes together because it's so light. They stick, and by the time they walk out, they're stuck on there. But as that adhesive becomes more brittle, as there's more sheer strength, basically any kind of motion that's happening physically to that lash is going to encourage it to pop off because it's only on such a small surface area. So just increasing the amount of adhesive that you use, I'm not talking a thick layer because cyanoacrylates actually works best when they're a little bit thinner layer, but... There's more surface area. It creates more surface for that lash extension to bond to, and it actually gives longevity. So we're just like a mm-hmm. a thin layer 
on the whole natural ash. That's right. And before we scare everyone, because some people are like still going, no, 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 no. this red is going to be horrible. Red flags, and we know. Yeah, that's they, what you're thinking. Yeah, and that's okay. We're used to that. That's and, right. We and, think out of the box. And one of the things that just to let you know what it looks like with our work, if one, if you go to our website or if you go to our Instagram, you're going to see lashes. A lot of people are probably thinking you're going to see this big clumpy glue everywhere and it's going to look mm-hmm. really, really disgusting and ugly. And that actually is true when you're new and you're learning, you'll know how to do it. Yes, it gets a little messy. This, our technique is actually not recommended for absolute beginners yeah. because it does take the most precision. Yeah. The absolute most precision because our goal is that precise mechanical fit. So what we're trying to do is we're actually harnessing uh, a physical property or uh, action that's happening. When two wet surfaces come together, it creates like a capillary wicking action. And we're trying to harness that adhesion. It's an adhesion force. And we're trying to get that adhesion force to fit in precisely the exact way. And, and, And you only do that by getting the extension all the way connected. And the second part of that fit or for longevity is where the extension lands. And so we actually place it flush against the skin. And I know that's probably going to... Another one to Everyone's like, oh no, you can't do that. It's wrong. And we have our reasons for it. I don't know if we, we no, need we'll to get to into that here, but we will... I think we've talked about it. I before. think we have. Yeah, we've kind of talked about it. And it, it also sounds a lot different than what it looks like. Yeah, yeah it's not it like we're, we have this big lava glue on the skin and mm-hmm. that's where you plant it. Like, that's your target. Put the glue and then stick it like a flagpole into the glue, into the skin. That's not at all what and it we looks have, like. And we even have videos on our Instagram wall showing this exact thing. Yeah. Yes. I just wrote an article about you know what is true damage and submitted it to a couple magazines. So I'm not sure if it's going to be picked up. Hopefully but, it will be. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we're know, waiting to hear back. Probably our next podcast will probably have an answer for that, but but look for that. That uh, article really talks about what is true damage and maybe rethinking what we consider as damage. Yeah. Um, but that's for another time, but that explains kind of why we do what we do. Well, I was going to say, just help illustrate one more time of how clean the work can be done. As we've had eye doctors look at our work and have no idea that there were extensions on their eyes. Like they were just looking at them, like they come in and they're just like, oh, let me take a look at your eyes. And they don't see anything and they start looking and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. They'll see one like grown out maybe a little bit. Yeah, or but we literally had people say, wait a minute. And they're like, they have to ask, do you have extensions on? And they're like, Yes. And they're like, where what? do you go? Where do you go? Because that's <laughs> not why. Normally they can see the moment you walk in the salon or into the office, they go, oh, this person has extensions. That's cool. And they take a look and they, you know, that's very obvious. But the work is so good. If you do it right, it can be so clean, so seamless that it, the extension and the hair are so, there's so little glue there. It just looks like one hair. And they just think you have naturally really long lashes until they get the slit lamp out, right? And then they're looking really close. And then they still have to question, like, wait a minute. This doesn't look right. This doesn't look like a normal hair. It looks like there's something else there. That's what type of work we're talking about. And that doesn't happen every I mean, we're, We'd be perfect machines if we're getting that result in everyone. But we've gotten at least a, a few times where uh, clients have come People to have us People have come in and the doctor so said, well, if everyone could be as lucky as you to have the lashes that you have. And she's like, well, I have to tell you that they're not mine. Yeah, exactly. That's so, like one of the highest compliments I think is. we've gotten. It's the best. It is really the best client or compliment. So one other thing um, I was going to say, and that... Actually, can I say something? Yeah. Okay, uh, since we're talking about glue, I think I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but sometimes people get worked up about the adhesive or leftover glue being on the pad. 
and they caution you not to, you know, try to, your best to keep that pad as clean as possible because the leftover glue is on the pad is very irritating to the eye. And I actually want to talk about that because the adhesive, the leftover glue that we dip onto or blot onto that gel pad cures in the same rate that it does on the eyelashes. And once it cures, it becomes inert, meaning that it's not reacting with anything. No fumes. Other chemicals, there's no more fumes. It is as safe as it is on the eyelashes. So it, that's really not a factor. Maybe for competitions, I know that some people, for competitions, you, you have to have a clean pad. But my point is that the client's not paying for a clean pad. They don't even know. You want to be sure that you're using the most precise amount. And if you need to adjust when you pick it up, that's what that pad is for. But don't worry about that uh, little excess glue blot giving off excess fumes because it cures at the same rate. If it is so dangerous, if it is so caustic that we can't dab any on the gel pad, what on earth are we doing putting it on our client's eyelashes? We have no business. But if it is safe for their eyelashes, then it's okay to blot on the gel pad. Well, there's another reason why they say, and I've seen this actually illustrated too on Instagram, is they're going to say it's going to cause smoke or it's going to burn the client because it is known that cyanoacrylates, when they are combined with cotton, can create heat. And they'll show there's one, I remember seeing a cotton ball, and then they took a glue, and they, again, this is in mass amounts, they took a bunch of glue, just poured it, and after a few seconds, you started seeing this little smoke coming out of it, like a little um, fireplace or something. So Okay, so that's fair. Um, if you use gel pads, you probably don't have to worry about that because it's not a cotton covering. If you use tape with a fiber on it, I don't think that it's cotton fibers, actually, because that's probably more, it might be a rayon fiber. A rayon fiber might do the same thing. It's such a small spot. I don't think it has the capacity to produce the heat that people are concerned about. But if you are concerned, just don't put it on the tape that has any um, cotton on it. Cotton no. fiber on it, but the gel pad's fine. Yeah, I mean, we have not, again, we're going to use anecdotal evidence here, but we've been doing this for 12 plus years and we've never burned a client. And I'm assured you, if that had happened, we would stop this second. Like, that's not a good idea. No more putting the glue there. Don't touch it with any tape or on anything, because obviously, burning clients is not a way to retain people, usually, at least in our normal world that we live in. So, I think, is there anything else? Or I think we've kind of covered this. Obviously, if you guys have any thoughts on this, we'd love to hear from you and just get back to us. DM us. We'd love to have a conversation. And we, we have plans to posting some stuff about this to help encourage that conversation to show and demonstrate how we do things. So be looking out for that. If it's not already out by the time this comes up, it will be very soon. We've actually shot a bunch of videos of us doing this type of thing, wedding lashes, and showing how we do it, and, and telling you that the average retention that these clients usually have, we just go back to history, and we'll tell you what the average retention, usually it's, like I said, three to four weeks probably is the average. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, that's really helpful, guys. Thank you so much for your feedback and all that. Yeah. Hopefully we've put some different thoughts out there into the world, and maybe we'll get some more discussion on it. Yeah, and if you have questions, we love them. Keep them coming. They're, they're, you know, you can um, DM us or, or yeah. maybe we'll do a follow-up episode of questions just from this podcast, because we know that yes. it might... You know, prick your skin a little, or rub somebody wrong, and, <laughs> and we love does, you. I, I wanted to say I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get in anybody's face. I'm, I'm just trying to 
Educate, yeah, bring another view to the situation. <laughs> and like we tell our students and our staff, question everything. You know, yeah. don't just take it, just because we said it, don't assume it's right. Don't assume anything you see, especially on the internet, is right until you've gone out and tried it out. Try it out yourself. Do these little tests, like we said. It will really, I think we have no concerns that this is going to somehow yeah. blow up in our face and everyone's lashes across America are going to fall out because all of a sudden we start rinsing and washing lashes. That's just not going to happen. We're honestly just trying to encourage the industry and and give an opportunity for other people to learn from our mistakes yes. and, and learn from our best practices too. So. so to wrap up, we thought we'd do this. We just asked real quickly for some podcasts that you'd like to listen to because we actually get asked that. I know Erica was sharing that that happens all the time that with her DMs. So we thought we'd share this publicly and we're going to keep it limited. We may come back and share more another day. Um, but today we just want to share like one or two podcasts that you love to listen to. Mm, okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Okay, so I absolutely, positively love Case File. It's a crime show, and I, I get into the crime mode when I am tired. And you know, you, you need something sometimes to entertain you. If you haven't gotten enough sleep, something that's engaging that will keep me thinking is, it's, it's also kind of mindless because it's a mystery that's piped into your brain. So I really enjoy Case File. He's got a great Australian accent, and it's a nice long one. So I like Case File. Um, the other one that I use for like spiritual encouragement is Grace to You. That's uh, John MacArthur, and he gives um, wonderful sermons. Um, That's right. You're done, too. No, I only got two. Do yeah, I get only, one more? No, no. One oh, or two. two. Yeah, one oh, or two. Yeah. We, we really we planned this out. Sorry. Sorry. We'll, we'll come back to we'll it. We'll come back. You can share more later. Okay. It's hard for me, too, because I like probably listen to 50 different podcasts at any given time. So I'm just going to say... <laughs> Quickly, as a blanket statement, I love like almost every murder podcast. So with that said, I'll say so what dark. I'm listening to right now. How about okay. we'll do yes. that? So I just finished listening to Dr. Death, which oh. was the same um, network that did Dirty John. They came out with Dr. Death. It was so good. <laughs> and then I just started listening to The Road Back to You, which is all about the Enneagram. I'm not going to go into it. Just Google that. It's like a personality thing. Oh, Enneagram. Yeah. Nope. How do you I'm not going to go into it. Spell it's it. E N N E A G R A M. Enneagram. Oh, okay. I've seen that popping up here and there. Oh my gosh. It's it's getting like so popular and yeah. people are like, oh, it saved my marriage and it like changed my relationships and So I'm just going to say this. Will it make you smarter? Probably. It'll make you more emotionally intelligent. Will it make you prettier? Hmm. Only lashes will make you pretty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's your only hope. JK, JK, JK. Yeah. So for me, my two will be business related. Uh, Akimbo by Seth Godin is amazing. It's very intellectual, kind of ethereal at times. It's not always straight business stuff. It's some self-improvement and all that. But yeah, you, if you're looking to be a better business person, a better marketer, and a little bit more self-aware, Akimbo is wonderful. The other one is uh, Entree leadership. Entree leadership is part of a whole training program, coaching program, where and they use this kind of the, the intro. Like you learn about them through this podcast, and then you can go and be a coached by them. And it's a great program. They have authors of every walk of life come on the show, share all their secrets, and you get to basically read a book a week practically with the author. He shares this, the highlights of their books usually. And then you go out and you buy the book anyways because you, you know, gosh, if it's that good from that little hour they have, you want to go back and get more information. And it's great. I love it. Uh, there's so many things we've changed in our company alone from that. I mean, price strategies is the number one thing we've done, but second, right behind us, entree leadership, all the stuff and training we've gotten from them has been incredibly helpful. 
Hey everyone, before we wrap up the show, I'm just going to jump back in here. We had one thing that Tusney wanted to clarify, so mm-hmm. go away, okay, it's Tusney. about the distilled water and one of the major reasons why you don't want to use it inside the eye when you're flushing the eye. And the reason why you don't want to use distilled water is because of a concept called tonicity. So it's a little sciencey. so bear with me here. I'll try. Okay. Well, in layman's terms, like the human body is kind of salty. We have a high salt content. So our tears have a certain amount of salt in it. It's a weak solution. Our blood is a little bit salty. Okay. So if you are ever going to have intravenous fluids like an IV, um, anything introduced into the human body, it has to be what uh, doctors are going to call isotonic. Iso meaning same. There's isotonic, there's hypotonic, which means lack of, and hyper, which means a lot of, right? Okay, so why this is important. The human body wants to maintain a level of homeostasis. That means, you know, it wants everything to be kind of equal. And so if you introduce something into the body that can put it off balance, it tries to work to bring it in balance. Okay, so. So if I drink a lot of beer, it wants it, to. it wants more. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. No, okay, just checking. Sorry, totally no, bad okay, example. Yeah, totally okay. taking everything off track here. So uh, yeah, that's very off track. Okay, but imagine, imagine um, a bottle not full of beer, but let's just um, make an imaginary bottle, a uh, cup of water. Okay, and inside that cup, there's a barrier inside, like a membrane. Um, the membrane it allows water to go through it on each side of the bottle, but it is so small that it won't let any solids go through. Okay, so on one side of the bottle, you've got a very salty solution. So it's water and salt, and there's more salt than on the other side. There's a solution that's very weak, right? So the water can pass through, but not the salt. And that barrier is kind of like what's coating our cells. It's a membrane. So the membrane allows water and and things, but doesn't let solids Mm -hmm. through it, okay? So if a solution is hypotonic, meaning that there's no salt in it or no mineral particulate, and it's put next to a solution that is hypertonic or you know has more salt in it, what's going to happen because the body wants to equalize, the saltier side is going to pull more water to that side, okay? So you got the vision in your mm-hmm. head? Okay, so... So actually, the water goes up on one side. That's they right. won't be the they cup won't be equal. Will be that's equal right. Because they're trying to balance out together. Because that's the desire of the water. That's right? right. One side of the bottle will be increased fluid, and the other side will be less. Okay. And the increased fluid side is the side that has less salt because it's trying to absorb more of the water to create. The increased fluid has more salt in it, okay. and it's trying to equal. Oh, that's it right. Because it's trying right. to dilute it more to equal what's yes. in the one other one. Yes. Okay. okay. And so. That's what's happening in our cells. The distilled water is hypotonic. And and lots of us are super familiar in the beauty world with uh, distilled water. We have to use it in our steamers. Because it has no minerals in it, it you can safely put it in there and it's not going to clog the little steamer and cause uh, hot water to spit at your client. We also put distilled water in irons for the same reason. Mm-hmm. So I understand people think it's more pure, it's, it's, safer. it's, it's safer, right? But yeah, The reason why we use it isn't about safety. It's actually just so we don't get salt buildup when we're using those. hot their, appliances, their, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, so if you put that hypotonic into the, the human body, our bodies are salty. So they're going to pull more of that water in there. So if we specifically put it into the eye... The cells in our eye are going to want to draw more of that 
water into it. When those cells have more water, it disrupts the normal cellular function and there's problems with it. It can make it sick and it's not good. You're not going to die, you know, for, yeah. but it's not too healthy. It's not ideal. Healthy, it's not right? the best, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to put a solution in the eye that is isotonic, meaning same, same tonicity. And you can check on the box of the uh, saline solution mm-hmm. um, it, it, to say, make sure it says isotonic, which means the same. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a question one time is, you know, what makes the Bausch & Lomb one, it's a sensitive formula, is that better? And in some ways, yes, it is, because it does have extra potassium and other minerals that are naturally present in our lipid tear fluid. But it also is isotonic, meaning that it's exactly the same salinity um, as the body. So it's not going to have that draw where it's pulling extra water. Mm-hmm. So in ideal situations, you want to use an isotonic eye wash or saline solution. So, okay, now let's just, just clarify this for one second, though. If we're trying to irrigate the eye or rinse out the eye because there's a foreign body in it, like somebody threw a bunch of sand in the eye, it's that's an emergency situation. You want to flush it with anything that you have, even tap water. You know, distilled water would be fine in that situation because it's an emergent situation. Yeah, chemicals like paint or something like that. You're going to use anything that's that's even handy. like you talk to the doctor. Even peeing is Actually, better. Actually, that's yeah. what Doctor Stout said. He yeah. said, "I don't even care what you put in it. Even pee is going to work." I, he's not saying yeah, put do pee it, in somebody's just, eye, but if it's a matter of you know getting the foreign washing out, out an acid or, or something like that, or, or like sand particulate, sharp things, you're going to do anything that you can. So, but if we have a choice, mm-hmm. and we do as lash professionals, we should use something that's perfectly made to go into the human so eye. In conclusion, or really to kind of wrap this up, when you're talking about options, the reason why we use a saline is a saline is isotonic, which means it's the same. It, it matches your body's kind of chemistry, so Tenicity. to speak. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't cause any inflammation or irritation. It's not going to burn. Mm-hmm. While something like a distilled water or even or regular water too, it's going to burn. It's going to burn and it's because it has this problem where you're saying it's creating an imbalance in your eye. Well, in sense it, from- it's not burning because of the imbalance. It's burning because of there's no salt in it. Okay. I know people are concerned about it interfering with the way that adhesive bonds, but it doesn't have an effect on it. It doesn't have an effect on that. And mm-hmm. then also, the, the still water will be less pleasant for the guest when it's they're in there. It's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yeah. yeah. It's going to feel more stingy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think that about wraps it up. Thank you, uh, for doing what you guys do, talking about lashes and then giving you all your insights. I appreciate Love it. Mm-hmm. You guys are awesome. It's an honor. It is an honor. And it's really a privilege, really, to do this. And for those of you who listen, thank you so much for coming back, Hello. DMing us. We've been getting more and more messages, emails, all sorts of stuff, posts online, love, all that. It is so cool. It is so encouraging. It's so mm-hmm. encouraging. I, we are so uplifted when somebody shares something heartfelt we all go to each other and like did you see this one and it just it feels like validation it really we really appreciate your encouragement and rate and review us that really helps us it does get more listeners it gets us more listeners and because just like you most of you out there are working by yourself in a room well guess what we're right now all by ourselves in this in room, room <laughs> talking to a wall and it's it, it's easy sometimes to forget that you know people are listening and people and this is helping and people are giving us feedback and there's 
lives, literally people have said their businesses have 100% changed since they started listening and enacting law of our best practices. That's so encouraging to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear about your success stories. Yeah, it just gives us that fire. It's like yeah. adding fuel to the fire. Just wants us to do this more. I wish we could come in here and record every day and have a daily podcast, but that would probably mean quitting our day jobs and just being here. But Not when, yet. Not yet, not yet. So that all said... Thank you guys so much. Uh, We'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash and at Lashcast Podcast. If you have any questions like we said beforehand or suggestions or feedback, just DM us, but do it at the Lashcast Podcast page because that's where we interact with all our listeners. Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast with all your friends. That's what's going to really help us. If this is inspiring and helping you, please go on and do that. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my Lash experts, Erica and Tusney, I want to thank you for taking some time out to listen today. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. <laughs> <laughs>